welcome to apartment 29a i'm shosh and i'm megan and we're two best friends who have a lot to say this week we are going to talk about the audible sessions done with lee bardugo the book king of scars and rule of wolves this is a duology by surprise surprise lee bardugo we're going to talk about those things while we drink TWG number 12 tea. This is a coffee tea. And at the end, we'll talk about something that both Shosh and I cannot stop thinking about. And we'll leave that as a surprise and tell you at the end of the show. Ooh, so, mysterious. Yes. Shosh, what do you think of the TWG number 12 tea? I feel like that should be like Hi. with music behind it. Oh, yeah, WG number 12T. <laughs> nice. You just wrote a jingle for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really like it. I have to say, I don't think it's super coffee. Coffee? Yeah, I would never and have said this is coffee tea. I think it smells and tastes chocolatey. Mm-hmm. And re- it reminds me, it's reminiscent of the chocolate raspberry tea obviously just minus the raspberry but that sort of chocolate almost like tootsie roll-ish chocolate flavor I really like it I prefer this to the dark chocolate tea that we previously tried so yeah I really I really enjoy it Mm -hmm. yeah and I think the dark chocolate tea tasted more like coffee than this one Uh, uh, just Mm because it was like a more bitter chocolate yeah which, Which is probably why I like enjoy. this one better. Exactly. Um, but this is a tea that I definitely will drink more of. I just don't know. Like, I, I can see that you can get this flavor from the coffee because some coffees have notes of chocolate. Yeah, I also made a cup of this for a mirror at the same time. He also really liked it. And when I asked him what he thought about it, he said, it doesn't taste like tea. <laughs> But he also (laughs) didn't get the coffee flavor. And then I said, I think it tastes like chocolate. And he was agreed and said that he thought that that was the coffee flavor probably coming through. I have to say, it's also really fun because this is a loose leaf tea and it has actual coffee beans in it. Mm -hmm. And just sort of backtracking a little bit, I should tell you the story behind this tea. So we were in London randomly walking around and we found a TWG store. I didn't know the brand, but it was an amazing store. The walls were lined with canisters of tea. I originally thought it was all just decoration. And it turned out that they were actually all full of tea. And that was how I actually even got this one because it was hard because they didn't have everything available in small quantities and stuff and then Mm. the very very helpful salesperson um informed us that those were not actually for decoration but (laughs) full of tea and this one actually was his recommendation so as we were getting another tea we were talking to him and Amir spilled the beans that on the podcast we talk about tea (laughs) and so we started talking about all these teas he showed me a tea that was covered in gold dust Mm -hmm. it was amazing when he opened it it was like (laughs) yes just shimmery gold going everywhere I wish I had had a video of it it was incredible he did say that it it doesn't taste that different than a nice white tea so really the expense is just the novelty Mm -hmm. 
I, so then I was like, that must be your most expensive tea. And he's like, actually, no, we have another one that's more expensive. So they have this one tea that while all the other canisters are filled with tea, this one, he opened it and it had a few small packets in it. And apparently there's like one garden in, I think it was Singapore and they have all the tea from that garden and it's so much money it was like so much he worked it out for me I can't remember because I was like I think he said it's like two and a half grams makes like a cup or something like that so obviously I was we were talking about you know I was like oh so how much for like five grams of of the teas and I think the gold one it was like gonna be like 50 pounds and I think the other one it was going to be like 60 pounds because if you bought like the standard bag which is like 50 grams or something it was like 500 pounds or 600 pounds or something and I was like oh my gosh but he did say the most expensive one actually would be worth it he said it's really amazing it's just really expensive so obviously you don't Mm -hmm. drink it very often because of that but I was like this is tempting it's like 25 to 30 pounds a cup but it could be it could be worth it you know right just well, I mean, people novelty. will do that with wine or champagne where the bottle you really I mean one bottle of wine is really four glasses four full full glasses but if the bottle is two hundred dollars that's 50 bucks a glass yeah you just don't normally I feel like it's more acceptable to think of spending that much on wine even though you would still think that's expensive I think people expect that to be more expensive than like tea but still I was amazed and anyways we were talking to this guy who he was so nice and so helpful and so amazing and I asked him what the weirdest tea was and this was the one he actually said he thought was weird because obviously you don't normally expect coffee and tea to be together and I asked him at the time does it taste like coffee or tea and he said weirdly both (laughs) so again I don't quite get so much of the coffee like tastes more chocolate but it was, I still was like, okay, well, I have to get it if he's telling mm-hmm. me this is weird. And obviously I've never heard of coffee tea. So I was like, let's do it. So that was how we ended up with TWG number 12. Love it. So much fun. Wish I had been there. That would have been cool. Well, the next time you come, we'll go to London and we'll find the shop. And yeah. I'm pretty sure they have their own sort of like restaurant area. So maybe Ooh. we can go and have a super expensive, fancy cup of tea. Yes. That would be so awesome. exciting. Yeah. With this tea, I wasn't sure if I should brew it as coffee or brew it as black tea, which is a very mm. minimal difference on my coffee pot, but still. And I didn't know if I should add milk or not because I was thinking I would add milk to a normal black tea. The exception usually is if a black tea has fruit sometimes they'll tell you not to put milk but I was like a normal black tea I would put milk in and coffee I'd put milk in so I went ahead and I put milk but that's the only downside to having the tea that came out of the canisters because there are no directions they're literally like (laughs) generic bags that whoever gets you the tea just writes the name of it on there so I was like I don't know hopefully this is not one of those ones where they say not recommended with milk because I was like I'm doing it Yep. I don't see any reason not to. So no, I think it worked. Okay. Shall we talk about this interview with Lee Bardugo? Yes. So we were trying to figure out what podcast to listen to this week. And at the end of reading the audible version of Rule of Wolves, 
Audible was like, hey, here's this free interview that you can listen to with Lee Bardugo. And I was like, oh, cool, shosh, here's this free interview <laughs> on Audible. Let's just do that because it is very much like a podcast because they call it Audible Sessions. There are a lot of different episodes where someone from Audible interviews the author. Uh, this So this episode came back right when actually Crooked Kingdom came out, which we've talked about prior on this podcast, but is another duology by Lee Bardugo. And so it's a little old, like 2016 maybe, um, but super fun interview with the author. Learned so much about her. I had no idea. It was really interesting. I had never heard an interview with her before. So I thought it was it was nice to hear her voice and just hear her commentary on some different stuff. And it was it was short and sweet, so mm -hmm. it wasn't like a super long interview, but you still got a good feel for her and found out some really interesting information. For sure. Yeah, and we learned a little bit about her background. So she has a background in advertising, journalism, makeup, special effects, and I guess she's also in a band. I didn't say what instrument she plays or if she's just a singer like and I wanted to know I was like tell me more about the tell band us more. <laughs> <laughs> is this was... a the mortal instruments type Simon band <laughs> situation <laughs> I thought it was super interesting I didn't realize she was you know so versatile and but she did say later that she'd always wanted to be a writer mm -hmm. but it was just actually getting to that point so you can see that obviously it took her a while to get there and work up to it mm -hmm. and I think that was she talked a lot about having trouble writing first drafts and how it's really uncomfortable for her mm -hmm. so I think some of it is that and then also she's like they don't tell you how to be an author mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't know how to do it so no it's internship for authorship yeah <laughs> so it was kind of getting over her own sort of personal self-struggles with writing and stuff to be able to become a writer mm -hmm. and the interviewer asked her if she still you know sort of has doubts and different things and I thought it was really interesting because she said yes and no she said she still really does doubt herself but also because she's had success that allows her to have more faith that if she sort of like pushes through and can come up with a product that it will it will all be okay mm -hmm. yeah I really like she called her first draft both a first date so she's like, you know, you're just meeting the characters, you're asking kind of those dumb questions like, what family do you have? What music do you listen to? But she also talked about the first draft as like a job and a job she's not very good at. <laughs> and like that, you can really see if you're having to push through this idea that, man, I'm not, I'm not good at this. There's a certain amount of like perseverance and drive that's required to get through that so that you can then do the editing and get to the part where you say, oh, look, I have this actual storyline with characters that people might want to meet. And I I've done a thing. It's good. <laughs> it's so interesting, though, because you don't necessarily think about writers struggling so much, especially good writers. You mm -hmm. just sort of think, oh, they're really great at writing. So they just write these amazing stories and 
that's it. But, you know, she was talking about how it's really uncomfortable for her with these first drafts and that the characters don't even really become whole people until it's the revisions. And like, that's where she really starts to know them and things are good. And she even was talking about one of the chapters at the end of, I think it was Crooked Kingdom, Mm -hmm. that had to do with Kaz and Inej and sort of their story together and she said she had 30 versions of it Mm -hmm. to try to get to the right version that treated everything properly Mm -hmm. and I was just I mean I I guess it shouldn't be surprising that obviously the authors have to work through several drafts and things but 30 versions of one chapter Mm -hmm. I don't know that just blew my mind on a Mm -hmm. lot of levels you know like what happened in all of those 30 versions how much was she changing right how how could you not I don't know give up already 30 versions right I feel like I would just be like I'm over this this yeah I hate editing papers like well my own papers like no no I wrote it like if you can't understand it that's your fault you know what I mean and of course that's not true like for all I know it's pure gibberish but I didn't even enjoy editing papers that I wrote for school that were fairly fact-based I cannot imagine 30 drafts of one chapter and like oh I'm pretty sure I know what the chapter is and I'm like oh I love them I love Kaz and Inej (laughs) I think it's nice though that she put that much effort in to to get the right Mm -hmm. chapter Mm-hmm. And also, I mean, she didn't say the time frame. I don't know how long it took her or how much space was in between all of them. But still, the fact that she pushes through being uncomfortable when she writes first drafts to begin with mm-hmm. and then could have 30 drafts of a single chapter. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. She said at one point, even as she was writing the first draft for Crooked Kingdom, she was like, this is a really great story. Someone else should write it. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, but it wouldn't have been the same. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. glad that she pushed through. Mm Because I think, obviously, from my point of view, I think she's an excellent writer. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine that her first drafts would actually be bad. But I don't know how much of that is just her, you know, maybe being like a perfectionist or wanting it to be a certain way. And obviously, like anything that's good, that usually takes work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think authors could do, they could do lectures or like, the teaching circuit or something on like perseverance and grit like we talk all the time in education particularly right now about like how do how do we motivate people and the idea that like test taking can be so demotivating so like I think I talked on this podcast but maybe just to show about the black cabs in London and the tests that they take, the knowledge test, and that most people have to take that test like 12 to 15 times on average. And how the only test in the US I can think that's even close to that is like the test to become a sommelier. And anything else like the American Bar Association, med school, if you had to take a test 12 times, they'd be like, maybe you don't need to be a doctor. Maybe law isn't for you. Like that's a lot of times. And yet, here's authors who are like, I had to write a chapter 30 times, or, you know, I wrote 30 books before any of them ever got published. And that's a certain amount of grit and perseverance that I'm just not sure we've found a good way to help tap into in the education system in the United States, maybe in the world, I don't really know, but they could definitely, I'm like, can you, 
can you bottle up how you do that and tell the rest of us? <laughs> because I don't even like that at my work once and you're talking about 30 drafts. Right, or taking a test 12 to 15 times. Right. Most people will be like, eh, maybe I'm just not gonna do this. <laughs> right. I mean, it's on both sides. If people know that you're taking some kind of test for something that many times, like you said, they might be like, mm, maybe this really isn't <laughs> for you. Cause normally you would think if somebody's taking it that many times, you know, it's not meant to be. So, and then it's also like the personal thing. Am I going to keep taking the same thing over and over and over? Am I ever going to pass it? Is it worth it? Like, I don't know. That's really hard. Mm -hmm. At least if the average is 12 to 15 times, you probably know that going in, which helps a little bit, but that kind of goes to like what you're saying. It would be nice if there was some kind of communication and way to express that to other people that, you know, it, it can take a long time and you have to keep working. And also mm-hmm. if someone, you know, works with you to edit your stuff or change things, that might be okay. I feel like sometimes it's hard, whether you're doing it yourself or working with someone else to, mm-hmm. you know, alter your stuff, especially mm-hmm. if you've got like a vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be interesting to know, like within those 30 drafts, if she had sent drafts five, you know, if every fifth draft went to the editor, if only two drafts went to the editor, you know, if it was just her that was wanting those changes, or if the editor was like, hey, this chapter still doesn't feel right. Yeah, that would be interesting to know. If she had someone with PTSD read it because there are issues of PTSD in those chapters. I don't know, but. 30 drafts. I also thought it was super awesome how she was talking about naming her characters. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool because she was like, oh, some of them just automatically had names and it was always the same. Mm-hmm. And then some of them changed names and for different reasons. One of them, she said, Kaz, the main guy in the Six of Crows duology he was supposed to be Baz and then another book came out with the Baz and so she was like oh I gotta change it and she's like but now I can't ever imagine him as that that would have been awful he was always supposed to be a Kaz Mm -hmm. so it actually worked out really well and one of the other ones she changed his name because there were two H names and so she was like oh it just got too confusing but now it's like you know the characters you can't imagine them any other way, but it's so interesting to see the process and especially that some just were always the same. She's mm-hmm. like, Nina was just always Nina. Like there was never any question. She just was Nina. Right. Matthias was always Matthias. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why it would be this, you know, some would be so set from the beginning, no question. And some would evolve or change and that would be okay and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really interesting to sort of hear her go through that process of naming the characters. Mm-hmm. And just how, like, there are so many authors, right? And yet there's still, like, almost an insular small community. So Rainbow Rowell was the author who came up with the Baz, and she was like, darn you, Rainbow Rowell. But she was also like, thank you. <laughs> uh, and she talked about going to George R.R. R. Martin and seeing, hearing him speak about how he creates worlds, like, as he goes, and that made her feel better about her process because other authors have talked about how they want the entire language in particular written ahead of time and the world needs to be 
JRR Tolkien's built before you can ever tell the story. And she was like, oh my God, that's not how I do it. Is that a problem? But then this other really well-known author was like, I, I, that world gets built as I go, you know? And she's like, oh, okay, I'm good. <laughs> so it's like such a small community, but still so many books are written all the time. We can't read all the books. And if I think about all that, the books. me. <laughs> I want to read, want to read all, all the books. books. <laughs> all the books and all the podcasts Mm -hmm. (laughs) because this was an older interview also she talked about ninth house and that that was Mm going to be coming out Mm -hmm. and i didn't realize so we have read ninth house i would recommend it it's really good i don't think we've talked about it on here maybe we will at some point i think it's supposed to be a series actually i don't know of how many books but but we read ninth house after our first read of the six of crows duology because we liked it so much that we looked for other stuff by the author and it was really 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 good i liked it Mm -hmm. but the thing that i didn't know that i thought was so interesting was that it's not considered ya it's considered adult Mm -hmm. and that was her first non-ya book and i had no idea and i just thought it was really interesting it was just like a little tidbit that i didn't Mm -hmm. know obviously it didn't make any difference when i read it i just enjoyed it but I thought it was kind of cool. I felt like I was getting, you know, extra information about, you know, more, more of her books even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's supposed to be a second book, but it's currently still untitled. And I don't think we have even a publication date yet. It means we have to wait even longer. Mm -hmm. Maybe that means we can talk about it on one of our episodes then since we'll have to wait so long. We usually try when we can, for the most part, to wait until we've read a whole series to talk about them, but maybe we can make an exception since we have no idea when the next book is coming out. I want it now. Me too. Seriously. Why do they do this to us? I don't know. Come on, I'm probably working on a TV show. That, that was really interesting though to hear about how and like who optioned off her books like to know that that the original Grisha trilogy was with DreamWorks and now it's definitely on Netflix I want to know how yeah, that she, happened <laughs> yeah I don't know the whole story but obviously when this was recorded because it was kind of old it was before they had ever actually made anything but she was talking about the stuff being optioned and then also being really careful about who to let have control of it because she was saying and while this makes sense and I'm kind of not surprised I was still like what she was talking about how a lot of people want to just change things especially if it's a woman author they feel like they need to fix it Mm -hmm. and so she was saying it was hard to find somebody that would actually represent the story well and not just basically kind of bulldoze her those weren't her words but you know she was talking about how especially for women authors they do want to fix it that was what she said and I was like okay I guess I'm not surprised based on the world but that sucks Mm -hmm. the only other thing I wrote down was about the authors that have been influenced that she's been influenced by some of which I had not heard of before and others were like Stephen King or the author of Dune Holly Black so there are some names where I was like oh I know those names and other names where I was like Diana Wynn Jones who's that like do I need to be reading this person <laughs> if they've influenced Lee Bardugo maybe I do so now there's some 
and like Louise Erdrich, maybe something like that. I definitely want to. I'm like, who are these people and what have they written? As long as it's not scary stuff. Yeah, she was on a. <laughs> she was talking about being on like a, a I don't even know, horror, horror kind of yep. kick. And she was talking about Stephen King and stuff. And I was like, um, I don't think that would be for me. <laughs> but I do see it. If you read some of her stuff, especially like Ninth House, for example, it is a bit sort of darker. And, you know, I can kind of see how she mm-hmm. would be attracted to some of those kind of authors for you know her influence mm-hmm. but maybe some books for us to put on our list our always growing never ending to be read list absolutely <laughs> even when we're reading like eight books at a time it feels like our list doesn't get shrink at all that's because we add <laughs> more than we read <laughs> how can we not there's like new books put out and written every day i'm so behind i know you're not behind it's okay we can only read so much Megan and you're right we're usually reading at least eight books at a time so we're doing our best we're doing our best Um, all right right. shall we move on to King of Scars and Rule the Wolves which is basically just an extension because obviously these are by Lee Bardugo yes so these are set in the same universe the Grishaverse as Crooked Kingdom, so as the books that were being discussed in the interview, but they are with a slightly different cast of characters. There is some overlap, which is always fun. So you get to go back to characters you met in her initial Grishaverse trilogy, and then you get characters from the Crooked Kingdom duology. And then you get to focus on the characters in King of Scars, which is Nikolai. And I love him. (laughs) (laughs) I love him too. So we previously talked about Shadow and Bone trilogy, which is the original trilogy of the Grishaverse, which is also the Netflix show is based off of the first book, Shadow and Bone. And of those, while we enjoyed those, we did not love them as much as Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, that duology. But our favorite character was Nikolai from those original three books. And so then this was his spinoff series. So it's his whole story. And as Megan said, you get to see some of the characters from the original trily- trilogy and from the Six of Crows duology. So it's always nice. I always love, love, love when there's overlap between books. So like series, you know, where they talk about a family and they focus on a different member, but you still get to see people or books like this where you're within the same world. So people pop back in or you hear rumors or things about them. I just love it. Love it, love it, love it. Just makes it all so much better. So yeah. it was really great that we got the characters. It While there's a whole sort of gang that they focus on the sort of main focus is on Nikolai and Zoya and it's going through basically his struggles to sort of figure out what's going on with him and you know like himself and then also 
leftover stuff kind of from the original trilogy with figuring out what's happening was kind of like the bad guy and trying to save Rafka basically save his homeland save his kingdom so he's technically a king Zoya is his general the king is battling both his own demons as well as like all you know the nations surrounding countries who are threatening to try and take over his people or just kill his people yeah mainly just kill his people (laughs) yes take over the lands but through death to his people so it's a very interesting story of sort of self-discovery and development for multiple characters Mm -hmm. the team kind of coming together you know to band together to try to save save their Their people Mm -hmm. some really interesting relationships i have to say also that rule the wolves while it it ended the way that i expected it didn't get to the ending the way that i expected Mm -hmm. if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so i was surprised and enjoyed that there were several kind of twists to the ending Mm -hmm. so like in the end it all basically ended where I had guessed like a long time ago but I hadn't quite seen it Mm -hmm. coming in the manner that it happened and I like I said I really liked that it added I would have liked it even if it played out the way I expected Mm -hmm. but the fact that I didn't made it really exciting Mm -hmm. yeah Lee Bardugo has such a way of writing relationships that are complicated so you as the reader at least for me as the reader I get the romance that I need I don't always get the finality or conclusion or the quote-unquote like we're all in that I'm seeking but the relationships are still there and they're still so interesting and so you can kind of envision a future where they're still working together and you get to that all in place so it's like you feel good about it but it's not the full conclusion that you would get in say a romance novel for instance I also really like that she makes a lot of her relationships diverse like none Mm -hmm. of them are the same and they're definitely not always easy and she also includes all types of relationships Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate all of that. So mm-hmm. it's not just, you know, one single type of relationship, especially like man and woman straight mm-hmm. through always happily ever after. There's all variations and most of them are not easy and it's always different. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating because sexuality is definitely a piece of each of the characters, but it's never the focus of the book. It's like there's one character who loves both men and women, but there's no, like, that's not, it's not discussed as a piece that we need to focus on. It just it happens. Is. Yeah, it just is. It's every, all of it feels natural, normal, appropriate. Like, I, you know, I don't like, and it's just this like nice piece where you're like, oh, the characters get to be themselves and live in the world. And there are complications. It's not, this is not a rose colored glasses situation, 
but it is also not a, we have to point this out and focus on it and make sure you see that this is happening so that it can be justified or whatever. It just feels like it's a part of the story. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That feels like how it should be. Yeah. Because it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Obviously the relationships themselves matter because we've got characters interacting and things, you know, happening, Mm -hmm. developing, but it shouldn't, the other part shouldn't matter. Like we don't need Mm -hmm. to draw attention to it and make it like a thing. So I I appreciate how she does it. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's just very natural and just part of the story, part of the Mm -hmm. book. Yeah, I love it. I will, uh, I do laugh at myself though. So the rule, the second book is Rule of Wolves and I just, we just finished it recently. So I just wrote the uh, like review of it and the review is all these positive things. Like I love the storyline, love where it ends, da, 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 da. And then my last thing is not enough Inej, period. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's not, she's not really, she doesn't, there's not enough Inej. I want more Inej more cats. I like like them as well. Mm -hmm. The only good thing is while I don't know like technically if there's more books coming, they definitely left it open at the end. Mm -hmm. And I would guess based on how popular these books have been that there will be more. Mm -hmm. And I am very much looking forward to that. I'm sure she will do it. So I think you might get more Inej in the future. Yeah. Like if she goes kind of back and forth, you know, it starts, you know, with the Grisha trilogy and then you get a Kaz focus and then you're kind of back with the Nikolai group. Next would be go back with the Kaz group, which would be Inej. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it might be kind of a merging of the king of scars duology and the six of crows duology casts that was my guess based on how they left it but we will have to see because as i said i don't technically know if there's more coming that was just kind of how they left it yeah we're just hoping that lee bardugo is listening to this and is you know ready to write seriously all the things because we do need a ninth house part two and we need all the things all the inej we love you lee bardugo (laughs) (laughs) give us all the books all the books we're we're ready we're waiting Mm -hmm. all right i don't think i have too much more to say other than i just really enjoyed it do you have any last thoughts on the king of scars duology nothing new either really enjoyed it well it's you know it's well-written fantasy all of the female characters are strong in their own way as are many of the male characters Uh, so fascinating so definitely worth reading and what was your rating we didn't give our ratings yet uh i know i gave rule of wolves five stars because particularly all of those like small twists at the end were just like, I don't know, I wasn't ready for them, but I like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like more than I could have ever hoped for. And I love every moment. (laughs) And I'm trying to remember what I gave King of Scars if I gave it four or five. I gave King of Scars four stars. I had to look back, but I also gave King of Scars four stars. I think it's kind of hard for me to separate them now because we obviously read them back to back and have just finished the whole thing. But I think that I really enjoyed it and I was super excited for it. But 
not, I don't want to say stuff doesn't happen, but it doesn't, you know, you don't have any conclusion. And I think really it got really, really good in the second one. Mm-hmm. And it's being maybe a little unfair to King of Scars because you kind of have to set all of that up. Right. But I also gave it four stars and then gave Rule the Wolves five stars. Yeah. So my review was I love the Zoya storyline and King of Scars, but also seriously, how do bad guys end up with like nine lives? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So. <laughs> Yeah. And also, if I remember correctly, because there's multiple storylines going on, I think in the first one, in King of Scars, I was really more invested in one storyline than the other. And it wasn't that I disliked the second storyline. I just really, really liked the other one. But when you then get to rule the wolves, that storyline develops a lot more. And by the end of it, you're basically kind of equally invested sort of in both and they also sort of cross over and come together as well so I think that really helped as well mm-hmm. so yeah, and I, I want more see that. yes and obviously I want more in niche <laughs> wait do you want more niche <laughs> yes please <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure but wait, did I say that already so I'm not clear. sure <laughs> oh, man. awesome all right all right so should Megan. we spill the beans and say what we yes. can't stop thinking about this week do you want to tell everybody what we're fixated on yes so shosh is coming to california in 29 days and not just Yay! california like specifically san diego <laughs> and she can see other people but she's here to see me <laughs> how awful would that be if i was like oh Megan, i'm going to california but actually like northern california so i'm not gonna see you <laughs> that would well, just be mean the last time that happened i came to see you <laughs> that is true that is true i was like no no i can make this happen hold on Yes, if you're gonna fly sure. across the country i will get to you california is a big uh, state but if we can get within the state. same state then we <laughs> yes. would need need to make it happen but no yes. i am specifically headed to san diego yes and, and for, i am so excited yes and for those who don't know part of it is because she's coming for the week of my 40th birthday yes friends i'm Yay. turning 40 <laughs> <laughs> And I'm going to help you celebrate. So, yes. I'm super excited about it. I maybe cried a few times. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, it still kind of doesn't feel real. I can't mm-hmm. believe that I'm coming. Right. I, ha- I have a countdown on my phone now because I'm so excited. Me too. I can tell I just... you exactly when you land. <laughs> <laughs> the countdown is that specific. So we record ahead of time. So I think by the time this drops, it will be a week before I come. Is that right? Yeah, like nine days, I think. Um, But right now there's 29 days, eight hours, 52 minutes and 35 seconds. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a lot. I know. but... (laughs) But it will go quickly. It will. And I can't wait. So we're going to do all the San Diego fun things in like three days. And then we're going to do Thanksgiving and with my cousin. And then we're going to go to Paso and do wine tasting and other fun things. Yay. Yeah. I can't wait. I have never been to San Diego. I don't even care what we do. 
obviously I just want to hang out with Megan. So anything is fine, but I'm very excited to go to a new place and to see Megan obviously is the main thing. And I'm excited that I'm going to be there for Thanksgiving. It's my basically favorite holiday. So that is super exciting. I do feel really bad that I'm leaving Amir behind. Yeah, sorry, Amir, we love you. Amir will be on his own for Thanksgiving. (laughs) I owe him a big, big thank you. I was not sure if we were going to be able to make it happen, and I felt really bad, obviously, about ditching him for the holiday, but he decided that we needed to be together and that it needed to happen, and so he booked the trip for me, so thank you, Amir. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait. It's going to be so amazing where we need to go to pick him up things for you to take home with you (laughs) we'll make this trip worth it for him too well he's not expecting anything but I do have to say when I get home Hanukkah will have started so that is crazy and yes I've already thought about that (laughs) Hanukkah is very early this year so when I super early yeah, when I land, it'll already be a day or two in. So. I mean, I don't want to complain I, or anything about this lunar stuff, but at the same time, really, so early. <laughs> it is really early. So I will definitely need to find something to bring him back as a gift, just mm-hmm. because I will be landing and it will be Hanukkah. So, yeah. Well, we will we'll definitely come up with some ideas. We'll, we'll make it the Hanukkah, San Diego Hanukkah, <laughs> eight days of San Diego. I'm loving this. Yeah. So as you can tell, we're both super excited. It's pretty much all we've talked about, different things we can do, different sites we can see, who we can, you know, who all can we see while Shosh is here. So it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be amazing. All mm-hmm. the things. Yep. All the things I can't wait like nope. I said it doesn't even feel real I'm like right? wait really really excited about it but it does not feel real so and it probably yep. won't until I'm you're like at packing. the airport and you're like oh <laughs> wait why am I flying by myself again this part sucks <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so it's also gonna be really weird sorry this is sort of a random kind of side note but this is the first time I'm going to have to travel with two passports. Mm-hmm. And while that's fine, I'm also like, wait, I have to travel with two passports and figure this out on my own? Which one do like, I show when, where? Because yeah, I'm both Exactly. <laughs> well, because the thing is, is while I'm allowed to have two, it's not like I'm breaking any rules. It also no. does not look good if you present the wrong one or flash the fact that you have two around because then they get suspicious, you know, because why do you have two because most people only have one but if you are a citizen of a country you have to enter and exit on that country's passport so that's why it gets confusing because I need to show the airline my U.S. passport because they need to know that I can legally enter the U.S. but then I have to exit the U.K. on the U.K. passport then enter and exit the U.S. on the U.S. passport and then re-enter the U.K. on the U.K. passport so and I haven't had to do that yet (laughs) So it's going to, it's going to be a little extra little tidbit of fun for Mm -hmm. me while I'm traveling. It'll be fine, but it's just one of those things like for the first time, I'm going to actually have to think about my passport. Mm -hmm. And then do you, do you know yet? Do you have to worry about COVID shots or COVID tests? So I, so yes, I have to 
prove that I'm vaccinated right. or have a negative test. Like that's the thing. And then I, I think that. at the moment, but the, the rules are always changing. always changing. I think at the moment I have to have, even though I'm fully vaccinated, a negative test within three days of flying to go to the U.S. Yeah. I currently only then have to prove that I'm fully vaccinated to return, return to the home. UK. Okay. And then I have to pre-book a test within two days of landing here. Okay. So I don't have to have one before I fly, but yeah. within two days of landing, I have to have one. Okay. I would all, if I wasn't fully vaccinated, then I need one to return. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cause Jeremy is, you know, he's at, is going to Scotland without me brat in early November. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's like, Adding on, he's traveling with his boss actually for three days after their event, but they re- just realized that they have to have a test, a negative COVID test within 72 hours. And their original thought was they were going to go to the Isle of Skye for three days, which they can still do, but they have to essentially get their test before they go. You know, they may have to delay things or, because I was like, I don't know if like Portree in the Isle of Skye is a cute little town. There might be a physician the likelihood that you can get a test there like at the exact time that you need it maybe you can schedule that now because I don't know how easy that's gonna be well also it gets confusing because you actually have options for Mm -hmm. mailing in your own tests I told him that or going to a place to get them and there's different benefits if you do it yourself like a home test it's cheaper and obviously you can do it on your own time frame but they promise the results within a certain amount of time from receipt. So, you, and you have to mail them. And while the mail system here within country is usually really fast and no problem, you still, it, it's hard risk. to know when they're mm-hmm. going to get it. So you're like, what if I don't have my test in time to fly? If you go to a place, it's more expensive. And you obviously have to book and know the specific time that you're going. But there's a bit more guarantee because obviously the place is handling giving it to the people so there's mm-hmm. usually a little bit the more guarantee to the lab, in the so time mm-hmm. so I'm having the same debate I would much rather just do the home one because it's so much easier and it's cheaper and obviously especially when you're buying multiple tests because I will need two mm-hmm. it's you know more cost effective but then it's like the danger of not not having it done in time mm-hmm. so I haven't right I haven't and you're like I can't get it too yet. early because there's a 72 hour window and like blah. yeah so so yeah I'm not sure what I'm gonna do I haven't decided yeah that's tough that's rough but he could either make an appointment for like maybe the morning of the day they're gonna leave or he could pre pre-purchase the home one and then get it in the mail before he goes mm-hmm. so. Yep. so he's looking at his options as long as you don't get a ridiculously super cheap one they're usually really good at communicating so the last ones we did which were the two-day ones so it was when we were home so we didn't actually have to worry so much about the timing but they were very good about emailing when it was sent you know it was with a good delivery service it wasn't even actually to us with the Royal Mail, it was like an actual delivery company. And then 
they let us know when they received it and the results. Whereas my friend did a super cheap one, which we looked at because it was a lot cheaper, but yeah. all of the reviews were terrible. And Ooh. some people were like, I never got my test. Some people mm. were like, I never got my results. Like, <laughs> it, it was awful. And I was like, all right, I'm not doing that. No, no. Yeah. I'm but... going to, I'm going to pay more, but I'm going to get something reliable. So. There's something to paying for peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. Especially because it's like, what if you don't get what you need? And then, yep. you know, you've spent the money and there's no refunds. So. Yep. And of course, this whole conversation could be moot because by the time you get here, it could be totally different rules. That is true. And that is nerve wracking, actually. That is yeah. not the only thing that is, you know, minimally anxiety producing about traveling these days. But it definitely adds to it because you yeah. just have no idea what's going to change. Yeah. I mean, technically right now, as an American citizen, I can always return to the U.S. So technically I can travel. But travel from the U.K. and Europe isn't actually technically open right now. It doesn't open until like the 8th or the 9th of November. <laughs> so <laughs> this is all like future stuff that's supposedly happening, which is also a little bit kind of crazy. Again, it doesn't affect me so much. But I actually have a coworker who's going to be in the U.S. at the same time, and she was freaking out about it because they supposedly were going to be changing the rules, but the it hadn't the guidance hadn't come out yet. And she was like, "What if I have to ch- change my trip? I don't even know if they're technically going to let me in." And now they've said that they will, but obviously the rules are changing. You know, like ten days ish before she's going to fly. She's Aww. like, "What? What are they actually going to be? Is it actually right. going to be okay?" And she's never even traveled to the U.S. before, so she's like Aww. extra nervous about it. Mm. But it, it is. It's like hard to know, and she's trying to make the same decisions about the testing also. It's like, what's the best thing to do to make sure you right. definitely have your result? Any so. last thoughts? On, on you being here in 29 you? days? I have so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, but before we go, we want to acknowledge that the day this lands is Veterans Day. So thank you to all of the veterans out there for your service. Yes. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all of our veterans. Yes. It's definitely important. And if you need to use your educational benefits, come see me. (laughs) (laughs) Megan's ready. (laughs) But seriously, thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye.